right, here's where we are. Uh, we're in the Gospel of Matthew. We've been making our way here. We are, we're getting really close. Uh, we are going to do the last two passages this week and next week, and then we're going to have a review on November the 12th, and we will have spent the entire year uh, in the book of Matthew. Uh, we're going to be close to uh, upper 30s, maybe 40 different messages that we've been a part of um, celebrating that. So this fall, we've been focusing specifically on 26 to 28. I told you that very first day that we started the fall series on September 17th that we were in the last week of the life of Christ. And so we've been going from that Palm Sunday morning all the way to the crucifixion of Jesus. So for almost one year, well, we have been uh, making this journey with Matthew to understand his gospel. Matthew presents to us Jesus as the king of all time. He, he is the center of history, and we have considered what it means to have Jesus as the king. Our language has been what it would be like for, for Jesus to be the center, the center of our life, the center of everything, uh, a Jesus-centered life as we made our way through the life of Jesus as God proclaims it through Matthew. Uh, it's quite a journey that we've been on, uh, and now we've arrived at Matthew's primary purpose. His primary purpose was the death of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection from the dead. Now, as we've seen, Matthew's gospel is not just this random collection of facts and ideas and stories about Jesus. Matthew had a very specific purpose and plan for us. So when you get to chapter 27 and 28, it's not like a closing, like this, it, it's more the, uh, a climactic celebration of everything that he has written under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The climax is the crucifixion of Jesus and then the resurrection of Christ in Matthew 28. It is the central focus of God's redemptive plan to save us. I mean, this is what God had in mind all along. I mean, we love the, the Christmas story and we love all these different passages of scripture, but when you read the Bible, the number one thing, that the, the thing right at the top is that Jesus gave his life for you and demonstrated its power through the resurrection from the dead. Praise his name. That's, that's what we've been heading toward. And so it's the cornerstone of our Christian faith. And everything that we, that we are as Christians, everything we have and hope to be is predicated on this reality that he died for us and he was risen from the grave. There would be no Christianity. Christianity would long ago have been dead had it not been for the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christianity, the resurrection of Jesus, all these, uh, his, his death is uh, the single greatest event that has happened in the history of the world. This resurrection is foundational to Christianity and that no one uh, who denies what Jesus has done for us in these, these settings is really a Christian. Uh, without the resurrection, there is no Christian faith, no salvation, no hope. So today, we are asking, uh, how, did, how did things respond? How did God respond? How did creation respond? How did people respond to the death uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, we see it happen uh, in a variety of different ways. So we're at the pinnacle moment. We're at the high, we're at the summit. We're right here to see um, uh, how God brought all this, all this together. And, and maybe the question would be, not only how did people and God respond, 
how have you responded? What difference has it made uh, in your life? Uh, that's our question. Uh, we are in Matthew 27. Uh, the last verse we looked at was verse 50, uh, where Jesus was crucified. The Bible said, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. So we saw him pass, die on the cross, 2750. Now, this message is built around 51 through the remainder of chapter 27 and the first 10 verses of uh, Matthew 28. What are the responses that we see? I have 10 really amazing responses uh, to the death uh, of Jesus. First thing I'll read to you is uh, the rest of 27. Here's the scripture. It says, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Verse 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, mother, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean linen cloth, and placed it in his new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been risen from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. That gives us uh, the, the immediate response uh, to what had happened here. So I have 10 things. Uh, here's what happened uh, after Jesus died on the cross. Number one, the veil or curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The veil uh, was torn. At the moment Jesus died on the cross, God gave us one of the most dramatic kind of object lessons, if you want, of what the meaning of this was. The Bible tells us that this curtain of the temple was torn from the top to bottom. Now, it's important because Matthew mentions it and, and Mark mentions it, Luke mentions it uh, as well. And what's happening here is that this barrier has been removed. You know, everything about the Jewish temple at the time of Jesus and prior, all of it said, stay away, keep out. Uh, they had built the temple uh, where you could maybe come into an outer court, but the further you went into the temple, uh, they might as well have had big signs that said, stay out. 
because um, they, they there were steps leading up to the temple itself. And inside the temple, there were these main rooms. They had a big room called the Holy Place. And then inside even further, they had the most holy place, or we call it the Holy of Holies. Only the priests could go into the holy place, and only in certain ways and certain times to lead worship. Uh, but uh, nobody, nobody just hung out at the holy place. Uh, they... Uh, also had this Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was like the center of Jewish worship at that time. Um, only one man could enter the Holy of Holies once a year, and it was the high priest. Uh, he had to wear special garments. He had to bring the blood of a goat. He had to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat that was on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the copy of the Ten Commandments. Anybody besides the high priest entering the Holy of Holies would be struck down. And if the high priest entered the Holy of Holies on any other day than the day of atonement, he would be struck down. The high priest came without the, uh, if he came without the blood of an unblemished lamb, he would, he would be struck down. I mean, the whole thing, you can feel it, doesn't it. The whole thing shouts, keep away. You're not qualified. You can't come in here. It was the it was as the temple was like this giant roadblock, making sure that nobody could come into God's presence uninvited. But God tore it down. He tore it down. The Bible says he ripped it from the top uh, to the bottom. I mean, this was not your this is not your drapes at home kind of curtain. Uh, this is like a huge veil. Exodus 26 says it was, uh, a, it was a blue, purple, scarlet yarn that was finely twisted together. Uh, the Jewish historians say it was 60 feet long, uh, some 80 feet high, 20 feet wide, required 300 men to carry it. Uh, it was so weighty. Uh, this kind of curtain, only God uh, could just rip this curtain from the top to the bottom. The idea is talked about in Hebrews, where it says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place, implying that being, uh, you know, that's not some place, you know, we don't have the most holy place here. The most holy place is, is right is right here and, and right there where the presence of God is. So we have the right to enter in the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. So we changed curtains. We went from this curtain that was blocking everybody out, recognizing that his torn body, his broken body, his torn flesh was the, the new pathway into our uh, relationship with God. So now... Uh, this story, the reaction to the cross, the response is that now you can go directly to God uh, as long as you go in the name of Jesus, claiming nothing but the blood of Jesus that brings us into his presence. We have an all-access VIP pass into the presence of God, into the throne room of our God. We have, we have rights to be able to come before him as we come together in the name of Jesus. What a response to Jesus' death on the cross. The the veil in the temple uh, was torn at that very moment. Uh, other things began to happen. Uh, creation began to respond. The Bible tells us that in that moment that the earth began to shake, the earth shook. Uh, that verse tells us. It uh, shows us that at that moment the earth began to shake, so all creation uh, is uh, opened up to what, what has happened here. So the, the Bible tells us in numerous places. Man, people got scared. I mean, first of all, it's pitch dark. Uh, I know they didn't have any 
didn't have any street lights out there at the, at the cross. I mean, it was dark uh, in the middle of the day. And then as soon as he died, then there's this big earthquake. Um, so the, the earth is shaking. So the earth shook in verse 51. Number three, not only that, but the rocks uh, began to split. Uh, so we see this moment where creation is crying. Can't, can't you feel it? You know exactly what's happening, right? The whole earth recognizes that this is the Son of God. This is the Creator Himself that has sacrificed Himself on the cross, and the whole earth is beginning to shake, uh, responding to uh, the, the meaning and the importance of, of, what, is just, of what has just taken place. Uh, most unusually, uh, the Bible tells us that, did, did you notice that section there? The earth shook, the tomb, and the rock split. And then 52 says, the tombs broke open. D that's unusual, right? I don't, I don't think I want to be riding down, you know, the road out there at Lakeview and, you know, start seeing uh, tombs opening up. Um, the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Uh, I've had a ton of people say, Pastor, you really think that happened? I absolutely think that happened. You know, God is saying something, right? God is responding. And he's saying that all this stuff about uh, death and sin, all of those things that have held us captive have now been broken. As a matter of fact, I'm going to demonstrate it. Let's just raise up some of them. We just, we just get some of the good holy people of God. That have chosen. Let's just raise a few of them up from the ground. That's got to be amazing, don't you? I mean, and then you think, it says after the resurrection. So they didn't immediately go into the, into the city. I don't know what they did. You know, and you can't really tell if they were raised right then. Or, but whatever we know, that eventually these people that are gone, these holy people, are walking into the city. What a reaction that must have been. So God is, God is offering this, this response. Uh, you know, he's, he's looking for us to recognize the incredible thing that has just happened. And he's saying, death is defeated. Not only through what Christ has done, but I'm showing you that it's like um, the, the death of death through his death. Uh, so, you know, um, you know death, is, death can be overwhelming. Uh, you know, just... Just what I've been dealing with the last few hours here. You know, it can be over. But, um, but death is dead. Death is killed uh, by what happened on the cross. Uh, it's still overwhelming to us. But, you know, I don't, I don't have any, I'm not worried. I'm going to see Eddie Yelton again. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm pretty sure he, he, he's going to, he'll, he'll be right there with all the great saints uh, of God. He'll be there uh, because God has promised us that death is not the end. It's just a, uh, a, a new, it's in a graduation into a greater opportunity. All the people that you've lost that loved God and served God, aren't you happy you know where they are? You know, we, you know, we talk about people being lost, but we're not talking about them. Eddie Elton's not lost. I know where he is. Uh, I have a very good idea exactly where he is uh, right now. And he's, man, he is happy. He is He's so upset the last two months or so. I mean, the guy's 90, and, but he's been active, like he's been cutting his grass and plants flowers. He's been doing all, he's been one of the most active people. I've been, he, he didn't like it. I think like two months ago, he was ready to go. He was like, I'm not staying here to do this. Let's just, let's just go. Um, and he'd say that. He'd been saying that for months. Uh, 
but I know where he is because death died that day. And he demonstrated it by raising these people. He didn't raise everybody. He just said he raised many. He's just saying, I'm just giving you a little flavor of, of what's going on here. This is what's happening, that all that you used to think was just overwhelming, death died. You don't have to worry about that because just like I raised them, I'm going to raise you. Uh, well, we're going to experience together the resurrection, not only the resurrection of Christ, but ultimately our resurrection. Many bodies were raised. So all this proclaims death of death in the death of Christ. I love that phrase. I, I, didn't, I didn't make that up. I saw it in like a sermon that was written like 200 years ago. Uh, some guy's preaching. I thought, man, that's a good line. I'm going to print that right there. Um, Jesus defeated death. Uh, it killed it. Jesus' death was not only strong enough to tear the veil and to cancel sin, but also strong enough to open the tombs so, and so cancel death. What a, what a response. Um, this, this is just an amazing event Matthew is describing for us. Now, uh, some people responded as well. Uh, the, the people's response was in the Roman soldiers. The Roman soldiers confessed uh, Jesus. You know, a change of heart is a really beautiful thing. You know, in this, in this section, we witnessed the change that happened in these Roman soldiers. Remember how we talked about how they beat him, how they spit upon him, how they drove nails. Now, we don't know which of these did that. These are probably at least the guys that put the nails and put him on a cross. Uh, but the Bible says, 54, this remarkable verse. It says, when the centurion and those who were with him, so it's not just the centurion, it's a bunch of soldiers that are there. All of them that are there, it says uh, that they, th those that were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place. So they're thinking about the death. They're thinking about all these people that are around. They're thinking about the darkness. They're thinking about the words that they've heard him speak from the cross. And now he's died in this earthquake. And it's like the whole earth is grieving this moment. What, is, what has just happened? They were filled with awe and said, this, truly this, is the Son of God. Um, there's, there's different times when, when you see this change. I mean, you, maybe when you hear something like that, you think about who it is that's confessing. We see these Roman soldiers, why, the things that they saw, and then what they confessed. They said, we, you know, earlier they were out there on the road and they're saying, if you are the son of God, bring yourself down from the cross. Now they're saying, oh, something happened here. This is truly uh, the son of God. Um, the, the soldiers, you know, I, I don't know what, like what level of faith they had. Or, you know, I read all this stuff and it's like, well, did they really believe? I'm just telling you, Matthew knew that they believed. They put the, you know, sometimes, don't you get weary of people that always judging you about the, the amount of faith you have or whatever? You know, the Bible says if you have just a mustard seed, even if you just got a little bit, even if you're not even sure, even if you're a Roman soldier, if you have a little faith in Christ, that's good enough, right? That's what the Bible says. See, sometimes we get so wrapped up in like, well, I'm not good enough, or I don't know enough, or nah, 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 whatever that you like to say about yourself, all that putting down yourself. Well, if you got a little bit of faith, I'm sure you got more faith than these dudes right here. Look at you, you're sitting in church. You ain't spend no time in church. But they saw the Christ, and they responded. The scripture tells us that they uh, recognized 
uh, who he was. So some Roman soldiers uh, confessed Christ. They confessed Christ together. How these soldiers responded to Jesus is true of all disciples. That's what we should do. When you see Jesus, when you see what Jesus has done, you don't just filter it through, well, you know, I kind of grew up with this. or I don't know. No, no, no. When you see Jesus, you receive him. You, you truly are the son of God. What you have done is absolutely amazing, and my response is on my knees in confession and giving my heart and life to Jesus Christ. Amen? That's it. We respond to him. These soldiers uh, give us the demonstration of that. Um, there are some women. It says the women here were witnesses. The women were witnesses. Now, what we know is that these women uh, showed up, uh, and they had been there uh, all along. Uh, they had been watching. They had been following. Uh, I love this family. I, I, I call it like the girls of the gospel. I mean, that's it. There they are. They, these girls are hanging around, and they've been, uh, they've been following, and they've been serving the disciples and helping them. And so you, know, you notice the, uh, there weren't a whole lot of guys hanging out at the cross. Most of them are gone, locked in a room somewhere. You know who's there? The girls. There they are. And you know why I think they're there? Because we wouldn't, who would we have had to witness what happened had it not been for them? So these girls are like the witness, these women that followed him, that came after him. There, notice that there were many of them. Uh, I don't know how many many is, but it, it wasn't just one or two. There was a whole bunch of them uh, that were gathered there. Um, they, they were there to watch what was taking place. Um, we see Mary, Mary Magdalene, the Mary, the, the mother of the Zebedee boys, they're there. You know, it calls them sons of thunder one time, but it doesn't say that now. I think they all calmed down after what all happened here. Uh, here they are, and these are women, of, once again, these are women of faith. And aren't you, aren't you amazed that it's women that, that it even talked about, these witnesses? Because in that day, um, those women, you know, they, wouldn't, they would have been put down. They would have been a, a negative about them. But like, the Bible puts them on the front page, the headline news. The women witness what happened to our Christ. Uh, so that's so exciting. Don't, you know, we should really, I love this place because we really value uh, women of faith, women in ministry. We even, even pastor to women. Uh, and that, that's, a, that's a cool line. I love that. Uh, we, these women demonstrate for us their love for Christ. They didn't run away. They were there. So that was, uh, that was their response. Um, number eight, uh, it tells us that Jesus uh, is uh, buried in a tomb. Jesus is buried in a tomb. The, what we learn here is that we meet a man uh, named Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, here they are. The, um, some things that we know about this man, maybe that's a funny sounding name. He's like one of these people that just kind of pops in, uh, to the story. He doesn't have very, very many lines, but what he did was really incredible. First of all, I want you to know is that this, this is the guy that, that buried Jesus in his own new tomb that he had cut out for himself. So it's kind of like a cave and, um, was made where it had, uh, at least, uh, two different places. So probably a place where this man and his wife were preparing for their burial. So it was like getting a place. Uh, for, so he had it ready there. And so uh, first thing you notice about this guy is he's Jewish. He's Jewish. Um, I love that. 
Uh, he, the Bible tells us that he became a, uh, a believer in Christ. Uh, it also just reminds you that, um, you know, sometimes the whole picture of, of Jews, if they reject, uh, rejected Christ, uh, didn't recognize him as the Messiah, but it just reminds us God is still reaching the whole world. Uh, he hasn't decided to put any group of people down. He is still reaching for everyone. And here's this guy. His name is Joseph, and he's from Arimathea. That's how he gets this name. So Joseph of Arimathea, uh, he comes along. Uh, the, the Bible tells us that he was, uh, he was rich, so he owned his own tomb. He had the capability, the resources uh, to have that available. I think that's really fantastic. He was willing to, uh, to give. He comes as one who is incredibly generous. So here he is giving of himself, giving all that information. We see this, uh, this gift, this offering. You know, this rich guy, he, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us he went out and got some servants and had them get Jesus' body prepared. I don't think that happened. I think he took care of it himself. The Bible tells us Nicodemus came along with some spices. And so here they are, these wealthy men that are taking care of the body of our Savior. Reaching out and serving. You know, Jesus washed disciples' feet, and that's what these guys are doing. Wiping off blood, maybe cleaning off his face, working with the, the, the women to put spices on and to wrap his body and to place him in this tomb. Uh, don't you want to meet Joseph of Arimathea? Uh, to meet him one day for his response uh, to Christ. So in this moment, this terrible moment of the crucifixion, we see all these responses of what uh, what has taken place and the faith that is being expressed. Uh, one other thing about Joseph that I noticed is that this, this guy had to have courage. He was courageous. The Bible tells us that earlier in the book of John, it says that he, was, he wanted to be a disciple, but he was afraid. He was uncertain. And so now none of the other disciples have shown up I told you all of those guys are gone. Nobody else is there to get the body of Jesus. But who shows up but the quiet, sort of, sort of a little bit afraid, uh, Joseph of Arimathea. And here he comes and takes the body of Jesus. He stepped up and showed. Notice it says he took it, he wrapped it, he laid it, he, uh, he cut out the, made the tomb there, he rolled it out, and he went away uh, having placed Jesus in the tomb. I'm so happy for the faith uh, of jo Joseph of Arimathea for showing uh, his faith in what Christ uh, had done for him, the trust uh, that he had in Jesus Christ. Jewish, rich, generous, courageous. Uh, finally, number nine, the tomb of Jesus. Uh, he was placed in this tomb, and the tomb of Jesus is fearfully secured and guarded. Uh, you see this same idea in, in all the Gospels where they are worried about the disciples coming and stealing the body, uh, the disciples coming and doing something to, uh, um, for him to be pretend resurrected. Uh, so uh, don't you love that? They sealed it. They put guards on it. They did everything they could to keep him in there, but you can't keep a good man down. I mean, he, he, he got, they could not keep him sealed uh, in, that, in that tomb. They did everything that they could. So you see these nine responses so far, uh, ways that people are responding, that the Bible is in. Matthew's telling us this story. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's kind of like me. He's like, he, he's like jumping around. He can't hardly wait. He just tells you all these things that happened, and then he says, there's one, there's one more. <laughs> there's one more. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. 
We're going to, uh, this is uh, 28, 1 through 10. This is so spectacular. Would you stand up? It says, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, you ever talk to an angel? I'm pretty sure they never had either. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. What would you do? The women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings! Greetings? <laughs> He's risen from the dead. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to, to Galilee. There they will see me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God for that. You can be seated. Thank you. Oh, what a word. See, the central event of all of history is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Because if he had just died on the cross, but he hadn't been risen from the dead, it wouldn't have been enough. The message of Scripture has always been this message of God restoring life. God raising him from the dead and then offering life uh, to all of us uh, throughout the scriptures. The psalmist said, God will redeem my soul from the power of hell, for he will receive me. Uh, Psalm 49, 19. Psalm 73 says, with your counsel, you will guide me. And afterward, you will receive me uh, with new life into glory. Isaiah said, your dead will live again. The corpses will rise to everlasting life. Uh, Job said it. If, any, if a man dies, will he live again? And then declared, all the days of my struggle, I will wait until my change occurs. Uh, finally, Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last, he will take his stand on the earth, even after my skin is restored, yet from my flesh, I shall see God. Uh, we recognize what is happening here. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. It is so foundational to Christianity that no one can claim to be a Christian without believing in it. Paul said that a person who believes in Christ, who is not raised... Uh, who was not raised as believers is a powerless believer. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then no redemption has been accomplished. Nothing at the cross matters, and your faith is worthless. Paul finally says, you would still be in your sins. Uh, so he's reminding us that God has uh, responded. Uh, how did 
God respond to the death of Christ? He responded by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, the earthquake happens again, and we see the, uh, the move of God and the angels of God seated there and speaking to these women. The guards shook for fear and fell out like dead men, and the angel answered, uh, uh, responded to them and said, Don't be afraid. Uh, the one that you're looking for is not here. He has risen from the dead just like he said he would. Uh, you know, Scripture doesn't really offer us a lot of explanations or how this all worked out or all, all the details. All it wants you to know is that Jesus Christ died, crucified, gave his life for you, and now is raised from the dead and is living uh, and bringing salvation to us. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. You know, so we, we see all these responses to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So, you know, I could have preached a whole sermon on most of these different parts uh, of all that. But what I wanted you to see is that God responded and wanted you to know the impact and the meaning of what has happened here. Because what he did to Christ is what he's doing to you. It's a perfect illustration. You ever felt dead? I was reading this little, little biography, and it's about this man who was kind of influential now and he's kind of retelling some of his early, his early life. And he tells about his family. His dad owned this retail store in this little small town. And so they lived behind the retail store in this little apartment that they had built there. So they were very poor trying to build this building of this business. And so um, he, he recalls the time when they got their first house. And so they got this house, and it was kind of on the outskirts of town, and everybody was real excited about it, and they had a lot more space. And so um, one day, like about a week after they got the house, they had been at the store, and the whole family was there, and they, they came back. And they came back in the midst of this huge storm that was happening. It was a big rainstorm and, uh, and wind, and they came in. And one of the things they loved about this house was that they had some property uh, instead of living there, and they had all these trees there. And they came driving up, and the most beautiful tree on the property was kind of on the side there, and it was about a 35-foot blue spruce. So it was beautiful, kind of narrowed up at the top there. Um, they drive up, and the blue spruce is down, uh, like the uprooted by the wind, and the nose of that tree is laying on the asphalt in the, in the road out there. So uh, everybody's upset, you know, they're... they're hurt and sad about the whole thing and uh, didn't know what they were going to do. Everybody except Pops, that was the dad, called him Pops. And so, you know, he's, uh, he's not discouraged. He says, okay, boys, let's get him up. What? Get what up? I mean, it's uprooted. It is, it is down. Uh, he's, oh, no. He said, well, I'll say be quiet. Yeah, he said, be quiet. He said, we're going to get him up. He will live again. So this dad went to the house and got ropes, and they tied these ropes around this big old spruce, and they said, all right, we're going to pull him up. And so they began to gather other people. It's still raining like crazy and storming. We're going to pull him up. And so they pulled this big old blue spruce up, and they got it standing up. And they got it in the hole there, and so 
dad gives out these shovels and everybody's shoveling and they're getting the mud and digging it out from underneath, making the hole bigger and making the thing sink further down in there, putting this mud up on top of the, uh, on top of the roots there. They got it all packed down. They took some boulders and they stacked it on top of these roots. And then they took some ties and took those ropes and tied that thing down. Today, if you go by that property, 65-foot blue spruce, still standing straight as an arrow. He said, it'll live again. That's what I think about when I think about this passage. Haven't you been there? Your nose on the asphalt, feeling dead, feeling lost, feeling like you got no hope at all? I mean, we all know it, right? I mean, maybe multiple times. But God says, we're going to get her up. We're going to get him up. And God begins to pull us up. And he doesn't leave us in that dead place of Luke 27, 50. But he begins to respond. And things begin to move. And they, don't you feel that? Have it, you, got a, you got a story. Don't you have a story of all the responses of God to when you were on the ground? How he was working and how he moved and how he saved you and kept you and how he brought people into your life and how he gave you the money that you needed and he touched your body and he helped you get just to get over all these things that were so you didn't live in the turmoil and the hurt and the dead of the storm that brought you down. And he picked you up. He put your roots back down. And he starts making all this work. And you, you look good. You look alive. You came to church here and you're still living because he got you up. We sing it all the time. At Easter, we probably should sing it more often. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me, and along this narrow way, he lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me, you ask me how I know he lives he lives within my heart because he saw me in that same spot and he picked me up. He did exactly what he did for Jesus. He did that for me and he did that for you. I don't know if you know that for sure, but I'll tell you today, he wants to make you alive. If you feel dead on the inside, you feel overwhelmed by sin and struggle, he died and was raised so that you could live, so that you could be alive. He's responded, and I'm telling you, he's not done yet. He's going to continue to respond. As long as you live, he's continuing to help you to grow just like that, that beautiful spruce. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You asked me how I know he lives. Sing it. He lives within my heart.
Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible story from Matthew. I'm so glad that he, he wrote it down. He was excited and he had every detail. He wanted us to know what took place, especially to see that angel. He is not here. He is risen. But he will meet you right over there. Lord, I believe you're still saying that. You want us to be so moved by the death of Christ and your responses, how creation responds and how, the, how people responded and how the world responded and ultimately how you responded by raising him from the dead. Lord, without you, a lot of us, maybe all of us, would be dead. Physically, maybe, certainly spiritually, and overwhelmed by the things that have happened in our life. But the cross and the resurrection of Jesus reminds us that you've responded. You've forgiven our sins. All we have to come is ask and repent. You've healed us, you've helped us, you've restored us. We can actually say today, it is well with my soul. I'm alive and well because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross through the resurrection and how you responded, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning that if there's a few people in this room that have not really settled a relationship with God. Maybe there's some people in this room, Lord, right now that have never really fully committed their life to Christ. But this, this passage of scripture asks us, how are you going to respond? How are you going to react to what you've heard and what you've learned and what you know? So I pray that someone in this place today, Lord, maybe for the very first time, would give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Many of us in this room, we just affirm that, Lord. We celebrate it. It's almost too much to keep us in our seats for what you have done for us. So we celebrate you. We praise you. Thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for responding to what the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection. But I thank you so much for responding to us. When our nose was on the asphalt, we were laying down. Everything was uprooted. And how you said, let's get them up. <laughs> let's restore them. Let's help them to keep growing and alive. Let's give them some new roots. All praise to you, Lord. All glory to God. In Jesus' name. Everybody said together. Amen. Amen.